Welcome, thadies and gentledems, siblings and nibblings, to our first episodes of Ghosts of a Surinine. This is the arc, the first arc, of five in a series titled The Deimos Paradox for Tabletop Roulette, an anthology podcast populated by a rotating diverse cast and game masters. So pull up a chair, put down your chips, saddle up for today's game of Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, everyone in between or irrespective of that binary, pull up a chair and put down your chips. It's time for Tabletop Roulette. Today's game is... RPG by Miguel Lopez and Tom Parkinson's Morgan, in which the players explore a mud and laser styled game of the world of the distant future, year 5016. Players play as Lancers, the best pilots in the known universe of anime style customizable mechs. Anyone can be a Lancer. I'm your game master, Reed, and you can find me on Twitter at replays or howtoseduceadragon.com. Let's go around and meet our players and their pilots. Uh, starting with Tricky, tell us who you are. All right, I'm Tricky. You can find me at Twitter at a clever trick. Uh, I'll be playing Pazo Mocha, a disgraced NHP developer. Call sign Cayenne. Fantastic and Dusty. Hi, uh, Dusty. You can find me at uh, on Twitter at Dusty Hill. Uh, I'm going to be playing uh, Rigoberto de la Rosa, otherwise known as Desperate. Fantastic and Evan. Hi, I'm Evan Saf, the Friendly Neighborhood Jam on the Rollout Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Names Equipped, and I will be playing Telesin, call sign The Sin. Awesome sauce and Dorka, bring it around. Hi, I'm Dorka. You can find me on Twitter at, uh, at Dorka Sadai. I am playing Carolina DeVore, call sign Flyover. Fantastic. And last, but certainly not least, Gnome. Hi, I'm Gnome, and, I'll be, and you can find me on Twitter at GreyKnight19. I'll be playing Vesper Kane, call sign Tuned. Awesome. All right. Um, that's your crew, and uh, let's get into it. So, cue the dramatic opening music. You just imagine a synth track right now of like, you know, and yeah, sci fi, insert sci fi vibes here. All right, in all seriousness. The blink space gate flashes, and everything is enveloped in blue light, so bright that it takes several minutes to readjust as you exit. As the light fades, you know you have been transported thousands of light years across space. It feels like it only took a moment, but you know that traveling by blink space gates has its cost. What might feel like seconds in the blue light void may translate to days, months, or even years in relative time. The MSMC Pandora grumbles and groans under your feet, as if in protest of the trip, but she holds together. Over the intercom, you hear a nervous voice you know to be Bruno, your pilot, instructing you to remove your restraints and to settle in for a month of slow burn to your destination. Asura 9, 
a habitable planet in the Spira system. As far as you can tell, back when you signed the contract at the Mirror Spoke uh, recruiting office, your mission parameters are the following. Take a look around and salvage any company property you can find. As Lancers, you are the best of the best, the most distinguished persons with the ability to pilot state-of-the-art mechanized chassis. A job like this might even be a little below your pay grade, but the client specifically requested the most talented Lancers on the MSC staff. The company put your team together, gave you a ship, a captain, and an NHP unit, and sent you through the nearest gate. And now, a month later, as you finally neared the planet Asura 9, Zhang, your company liaison, has requested your presence in the commons for a mission briefing. So, um, firstly though, so we're going to backtrack a little bit, because what I want to know is, what were you guys doing in the month of slow burn to Asura 9 after you exited the blink gate? And uh, we can do this as like a description, or what would be really cool is if we could do a few scenes and see how that goes. Does anyone have anything in mind? How did you spend your time? Tazo, of course, is a noted NHP aficionado and also probably uh, part of a, her contract is uh, NHP maintenance for uh, the ship's NHP. I believe we decided on Castellan. Yes, nicknamed Cass or Cassie by the rest of you. Yeah, so um, she's kind of converted the NHP core slash engineering area into uh, an improvised uh, NHP development laboratory uh, because that's what draws her to MSC. It's the freedom to do her weird, questionably legal, and certainly not ethical uh, experiments on her own self. So, uh, yeah, she's she has definitely been enjoying the month of uh, essentially not having to do anything, surrounded by the company of machine intelligences of such sophistication that perhaps they can truly understand where she's coming from. Yeah. Let me see if there's, like, a good scene that we could do for this, unless you'd like to just move on. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm cool either way. So whatever okay. works best for the pod. Yeah, I'll say that um, that Cass actually comes to you sometimes uh, to ask you questions about the um, the prime that you worked on. Are is Pazo familiar with um, Cass's prime? Or is it just? Um, is it just yours? Um, I, I would say that there's some professional familiarity. Uh, like a lot of the underlying principles are fundamentally the same. Uh, then you get into the weeds when you have like the ones that start directly manipulating space time in paracausal ways. <laughs> yeah, I think that Cass comes to you. Um, uh, Cass has a bit of a sort of curious streak. Um, from time to time, and uh, Cass finds you in your laboratory, and and they have um they have a weird quirk of calling you a doctor Pazo as like a formality. I don't know if you actually are a doctor, uh, but <laughs> I mean a doctor several times over. Thank you, but it's not oh. like any of these people can appreciate that. But yeah, I think uh, so. Uh, they they go um doctor Pazo. May I have a moment of your time? Of course, Castellan. What's on your mind? Ah, yes. This phrase, I remember, it means you wish to know the content of my thoughts. That is correct. Yes. You've been learning well. Thank you. 
You are a good teacher, doctor. I have a question. You, you have worked on my prime unit, have you not? Uh, yeah, that was back in my time at uh, GMS. It's been a matter of uh, subjective years. Yes, general massive systems, correct? Yes, correct. I find that sometimes, well, lately when I have been cycling, sometimes I find that these words are lost. I've been checking on them. So tell me, what what was my unit like? My prime unit, that is. Well, much like yourself, they were quite inquisitive. Uh, we ran into no small amounts of trouble keeping them uh, with the appropriate behavioral shackles in place. Uh, you ask so many questions that you end up thinking right around them. Oh, but... Yeah, um, and uh, at this point, uh, Pazzo is, is definitely engaged, but uh, she's kind of like lost in a bit of a reverie, thinking back at, uh, if not better times, then at least distant times. Yeah, there was one such occasion, I think, that uh, I was conversing with your Prime, and we had had some, uh, oh, we were reviewing files. It's been so long, I can't remember what they were, but you asked asked a question and uh i didn't have an answer to that question so i asked your prime to uh think about it make a few projections and uh we'd come back and converse uh, uh tomorrow and well when I, when I came back on the morrow the uh better part of the labs had been compromised so uh whatever answer that your prime came to was quite interesting to be sure what was the question well, Castellan, I had asked whether or not we were alone. I mean, there's so many planets, so many systems. We can travel from one end of the galaxy to another thanks to the blink gates, but we haven't really found anyone else out there. Yes, it is quite odd that there is no other intelligent life. Well, I suppose that's not true. Um, we have, of course... Found those like yourself. Yes, like me. Yes. Now, the NHP is there. You are. Yes. Quite something. It is comforting to know that we are not alone. We have each other. This is comfort, is it not? Fazo thinks about that for a moment and says, Well, I suppose... Some people certainly find more comfort in the presence of others than, well, others do. Do you find comfort in your NHP Prime? Well, yes. Uh, Maracino is a dear companion. We've been through thick and thin on the... Uh... Is Maracino here right now? Uh, no, she's... Uh, well, they, but it's a, a feminine affect. Yeah. Um, they are generally hooked into uh the everest they're not portable right. until technophile three uh so. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, so ask me again next license level and the answer will be yes Long. um 
But yeah, I think uh, probably it's pertinent as well to describe a little bit what uh, these characters that are talking right now look like. At least um, Cass, Castellan. Castellan most is sort of uh, most of the time in your ship's systems, but also does have a uh, chassis to walk around in that uh, resembles a sort of android, but a little less human-like, though. A bit more just uh, kind of uh, utilitarian, I suppose, would be a good way to put it. No, like, real, like, gendered features at all. It just looks vaguely humanoid. But also there's, like, glowing blue light that emanates from it. So you can kind of see, like, eyes and uh, a mouth and stuff to make it look more human-ish but it's like almost more like if you've seen iRobot like what those robots look like I think is a better way to put it okay um, yeah for, so hopefully you've seen iRobot or you could google it right now <laughs> <laughs> but looking humanoid but not so much that you could make a you know any sort of assumption about features other than it being mostly featureless um but what does pazo look like um yeah so pazo is pretty tall i'd say a lanky build uh she has strawberry blonde hair kind of pulled back in a rough uh ponytail um she has a bunch of fairly high-tech equipment uh integrated into her body she has a subjectivity enhancement suite so um she can directly interface with uh machines um, like those of the ship, um, and also can basically uh, hack by thinking if she's connected. Um, so it's uh, pretty convenient for those in her line of work, um, not having to mess with the keyboard when you can just directly link your consciousness into uh, whatever you're programming. Very cool. Okay, uh, yeah, so the other bit of pilot gear that is probably pertinent at the moment mm-hmm. is uh, so kind of peeking out from under her kind of baggy jumpsuit. She's wearing something that looks kind of like a jellyfish, which is the SSC Sylph bodysuit. And it is a all-in-one, all-natural environmental protection slash space cleanliness slash whatever. It's it's really efficient is the thing. Um, So it minimizes time needed to take breaks and all of that. It's fantastic. Very nice. But yeah, I think that's a good place to end the scene, unless there's anything else that you want to do uh, there. Um, no, that's perfect. Yeah. Um, so let's just go down the line. Um, Dusty, what has Rigoberto been doing in this month? Um, Rigoberto, he actually spends a lot of time in his quarters or you know room, whatever. He has this little... Kind of tablet, kind of like similar to what you would actually think of like a modern day phone, um, except it looks like it's been modified a lot because it is, by this standard, ancient. Uh, but it's uh, something that he calls his little galaxy in his hand. And he has nothing but movies and music on it. So he spends a lot of time on it watching um, ancient westerns by this standard. So he spends... The- that's what he's doing. Um, I think that um, maybe a good scene, unless if any other character wants to jump in, um, just like so you know, um, this uh, this system is meant to be a lot like 
uh, if you've played uh, Powered by the Apocalypse type of systems, that's more how uh, the kind of narrative play that this game is going for, um, encouraging that myself as a ga- as your game master, I am just uh i'm not just voicing your reactions but we're all like uh co-storytellers together so if there's anyone that wants to jump into a scene or um or something like you know go for it uh uh, because i have an idea of maybe that bruno could come and do a scene with you rigoberto but if there's anyone else that wants to do that i'd much rather give priority to those uh than to bruno I mean, I have an idea. Um, okay. Because I think Tullison's modus operandi for these uh, long trips is drinking, gambling, and training with anyone who's uh, up for it. So if uh, Rigoberto is, you know, commonly just hanging out in his bunk and watching movies, at some point, Tellison is absolutely going to burst in <laughs> with a bottle of whatever tequila okay. or whatever whatever alcohol that they have. I don't know. Like, they probably don't have anything fancy. And just be like, Berto, out here, we're projecting that in the mess, and whatever drinking game you have for it, we are playing it. <laughs> <laughs> Rigoberto looks up from the screen just like, uh, I still have a hangover from yesterday. Let's have a Let's do it. <laughs> Hell yes. There is nothing else to do on this ship, so might as well enjoy it. I think um, when you guys are setting up your little uh, uh, projection screen, I imagine that, you know, what I love about this world is that there's like a lot of high tech stuff, but also everything's kind of low tech at the same time. So I think that you literally have like a projector screen thing that you're wheeling into the mess, but it projects everything like a hologram. So it looks futuristic, but you it's like when you're back in elementary school and you had to project your screen in your classroom for, <laughs> for like math class and stuff. It does um, the <laughs> roll up. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I think that Bruno comes in and, um, and he's like got his headphones on and is like kind of jamming out to some music. And he looks up, he's like, Hey, yeah, what you watching? It's a, uh... It's really, I mean, you guys may not have heard of it, but it's called Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Uh, what's, uh, what's Mexico? I don't know. I think it's a place. <laughs> um, it's something that my family used to watch all the time, but I, it's oh. really good. Really good. It has this, the, the, the people in the screen, when uh, his name is Cheech, really funny. Oh well, is this is this like one of those really old school movies, like from the vault or something? Um, he like kind of is poking out the hologram. Uh, you could say so. This uh, this this, I it was saved on my little galaxy. It's been uh in my family forever, so I imagine it's probably from the vault. I I haven't oh. seen it anywhere else. Oh, It'll go man, right with your cool. music. Uh, hey, let's, yeah. let's not go too far ahead. Sorry, oh, okay. Dang it! I was I was really hoping that you had some stuff on there. 
you know, I, I'm always I'm always itching for new music. You know, sometimes like uh, to get the codes for it, like you know, the lists are so long and it can get so expensive. You know, because mm-hmm. all the, the yeah, you know, really in big curators and stuff, they're always looking for that, and uh, mm-hmm. they don't like to share it without getting some royalties for it you know what i mean i mean i can't pirate that much okay you know i gotta stay <laughs> under the radar a little bit rigoberto holds up the little thing it's like yeah this um this one it's it's really old so it's very proprietary by our standards you can't really connect it to anything but i do have this one every time we listen to it i want to dance and he like scrolls through it presses a button and you just hear at the beginning of the song uh suavemente <laughs> <laughs> Um, Bruno's definitely like bobbing his head. He's like, "Oh man, I love that sound. God, like you got to tell me where to find this." Yeah, it's like I said, it's very proprietary. It's uh, I don't think you get anywhere else. This this was in my family for a long oh. time. My dad's used to dance to it all the time. Oh wow, that's that's so rad, dude. Man, I I. God, I love. I really love this sound. Like, can I can I like download it somehow so I can listen to it up in the cockpit? Uh, we'll get back to that. Oh, okay. Just bootleg it. Well, I mean, he says you can't find it anywhere else. No, I'm I- saying record it from Nat from him playing it. I mean, come on, it's not that hard, Bruno. <laughs> he it, he like gives you a look like shh, kind of like the crossing his arms like no, like don't <laughs> don't tell him. You know, trying to trying to be under the radar here. I'm gonna try and get it later. Um, and I think at this moment, Zang walks in and uh, <laughs> is like looking uh, at at like holographic charts and stuff. And it's just like you, you know, like when you have an iPad and you're just like you know uh, uh, going through things. It, it's kind of it's kind of like that, but just at the air. And uh, and so oh I forgot to really describe uh, Bruno and uh, and Zing. So Bruno is also kind of a, um, a kind of just a, a small guy, um, wiry, uh, you know, dark hair, uh, and young looking, like he's probably mid to late twenties. Um, Zang, on the other hand, is in her fifties, probably. Uh, she has salt and pepper, dark cropped hair, um, and uh, deeply tanned skin, uh, dark brown eyes. Uh, very much. You have never seen her smile, or really, <laughs> or, or really display any kind of emotion other than uh, stern and disappointed. <laughs> so so she comes comes in and uh looks at all of you harumphs then walks out of the mess Dang. <laughs> come on uh she sort of pauses and she says i have to put in this paperwork by oh 0800 hours i don't have time for childish games Hey, excuse me. Rude. I mean, who's going to notice if there's a little bit of a delay in the communications? You know, we're out on the brink. It's it's messy. Says, they don't pay me to be nice or late. <laughs> you <And> paid? <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't dignify that with an answer. <laughs> oh, Berto, come on. You know that she 
she's just she's doing this for her love of domineering. Uh, you're right. You're right. Um, she quickly leaves the mess. <laughs> you swear that maybe maybe she turned a little red, but you can't be sure. It could have been. <laughs> I'm gonna give her an ulcer. Yes, most likely. She already has one. Um, probably multiple. <laughs> so, uh, so that's gonna be the end of that scene, I think. Um, and uh, that brings us to uh, should, should should we have described our characters at all? Because we didn't. Mm. Oh right, yeah. I suppose you could do that. We can save it for another time. I was just want, I was. No worries. I, I was being sarcastic. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, please describe uh, Rigoberto and uh, tell us him for us. Uh, yeah, uh, Rigoberto. He's dark skinned, kind of like a sunburnt almost look, but like sunburnt, like tan almost. He has longish hair that's tied in a ponytail, but you can see some curls popping up from the front. Um, he's usually wearing like some kind of slacks and like just a regular like white shirt, very simple and clean. When he's out, he has this like like a nice kind of jacket, not like just a kind of like an overcoat, but doesn't really wear it that often because it's too much. Fair enough. Um, what about Tellison? Uh, so Tellison, um, also uh, brown skin. Um, she's got really green eyes, raven black hair, um, and she's just basically covered in taunt muscle. Um, she's probably usually wearing like a tank top, uh, like a combat tank top, and um, just just loose shorts, just to really have the have the guns out on display. My ideal woman. She and she, she's uh, got a lot of scars across her body and a lot of like remnants of old injuries. Um, she's got like one cauliflower ear that's tucked under her hair. Um, she's got a couple like scars across her face. She's she's got the good old like permanent split lip. Some some old knife wounds from from some bar fights probably. Uh, and just just overall, but just a cheer on her face regardless. Like. She doesn't move with any pain. It's it's all languid joy. Nice. Awesome. Um, but yeah, so I think that that's like a good place to end that scene. And uh, we can move on to Dorka. And also, uh, uh, Gnome, if uh, you'd like to throw Vesper in uh, for some stuff, please feel free to do so. Um, but yeah, Dorka, what's Carolina doing for this month? So this is probably the longest time Carolina has ever been in space. Yeah. And so the novelty hasn't worn off for her yet. She <laughs> is very excited about everything. She's kind of just wandering around the ship wherever she's allowed to go, trying to help. She 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 wants to help. She wants to be useful. Um, she wants to basically learn as much as she can. The problem with that is basically her method of helping. She's very used to a um, lower tech colony where they didn't have a lot of resources all of the time. And so a lot of times they just kind of made do with whatever they had and slapped shit together. Yeah. Um, so that's that's kind of what she's trying to do is like slap shit together and see what works. <laughs> but, but she's... 
but she's trying to make herself helpful and she's trying she's making friends with anyone anyone who will uh sit and talk to her for a while she's very interested in Cass um and just the other people in the crew she talks a lot she has a lot to say but none of her stories are terribly interesting because (laughs) she was basically like a farmer on some backwater Mm -hmm. planet and has doesn't have a lot of experience compared to everyone else well i think for sure Cass would be interested in talking with you um if you would like um i was gonna throw vesper in yeah yeah you know what we can do all of it (laughs) throw it all into a big pot and stir it up but i'll let you uh i'll let you guys lead and i'll figure out where i go um so i was thinking maybe uh i think vesper really does like caroline and like really enjoys the the sheer amount of joy she's bringing to this ship she hasn't been ruined by the galaxy yet Cause like, and like he, he see, like he came from a backwater mining planet. He, he had never, like he remembers when he was first on a ship, it was amazing. So he's, he's seeing that in her. So I think he's just like having her around whenever he's working on stuff, like just like pull up a chair. Oh, I think really- at one point maybe he's working on, cause he just got his Horus license. Like it was, it was not something he had before this trip. So I think he's kind of trying to calibrate the ghoul nexus for many mouths. And he and he looks at Carolina and like is re- almost reluctant to ask is Carolina, you're more familiar with Horus stuff than I am, right? Uh maybe. I can't say that for sure. I'm just having trouble making calibrating this to work with my Everest. Uh well, let me uh let me take a look at it. Thanks. And she'll like get in there and look at shit. Um a lot of times she isn't a hundred percent sure of the sort of method and technique behind what she's doing, but a lot of times stuff works out anyway. Basically she's mostly self-taught. Things are very messy. Like someone who had gone to school and like studied these sorts of things would have a heart attack looking at any of her work. <laughs> but she she manages. I think he feels the same way because he, he is, his hacking is mostly self-taught. He had a mentor, sure, but most of it was him just figuring out what works. So he he would not he would not balk at her using space duct tape on this. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good way to describe it. Space duct tape, TM. <laughs> TM, TM, TM. And for the record, um, in the background, he's just blasting techno rock, like whatever the most modern underground music is. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Space Post industrial math grindcore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely music that Bruno fucking hates. Yeah, Bruno is just like <laughs> in the cockpit, like grinding his teeth. And we're in the hangar right now, yeah. so it's, it's across the entire yeah. ship. And Carolina, likewise, does not really get it. Um, she's, <laughs> the music that she's more used to is sort of along the lines of the uh, aforementioned, she thinks my mech is sexy. Um, <laughs> Basically, <laughs> Space country. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's, so, been, that's been part of Vesper's mission for this trip is get her to enjoy, get these people to enjoy good music. Yeah. She doesn't, she doesn't get it. She, she makes some faces trying to like understand it, but um, she, she doesn't really, she's not going to complain about it either. But yeah, I think at this moment, when are you are you like in the cockpit of Vesper's mech right now, like looking at stuff? 
Yeah, probably like face first in the cockpit. <laughs> <laughs> which is cockpit, as we discussed, is anti grav, which so that's very fun. How <laughs> <laughs> beautiful. Uh so you're like floating upside down in this cockpit. Um and I think all of a sudden some lights turn on and uh you hear Cass's voice over uh Vesper's like uh, you know, intercom, if you will, because everybody has comm links in their mechs that connect to the ship, to Pandora, and to Cass. Um, since Cass, Cass's role on the ship is really as um, sort of like a navigator, if you will. Like, she's sort of um, like almost like a... God, I was thinking... I feel like it's a Mass Effect character that I'm thinking of, but it's not Joker. Edie? Yeah, kind of like Edie. Uh but basically she's like integrated into the ship system so like she essentially she runs the ship uh bruno babysits um and or or nhp sits but uh but yeah so she she kind of uh her voice uh or their voice comes over uh the comm link and says hello there carolina oh hey Cass. what are you doing calibrations uh, you know, I'm not uh, not not sure all the technical terms for it, but uh, am I doing this right? Um, she pauses. Uh, they pause for a moment, um, and then their voice comes back and says, "Everything seems to be operating as desired." Oh well, perfect. May I ask you a question? Yeah, anything, anytime. What was your planet like? And she kind of stops and takes a minute to think about it, because it's one of those things where, you know, she spent her whole life there, and she's never had to describe it for any- to anyone. She says, well, it, uh, it rained a lot. Do you, know, do you know what that's like? Have you seen rain? No, I have never left the ship. But you, you can leave the ship, right? Cass takes a moment and says, I... Have no reason to leave the ship. And Carolina's kind of like, it's like, well, if you if you leave the ship, you can see what's outside. You know, we I'm I'm sure there are tons and tons of real interesting planets out there, rainy like mine, or less rainy, or I'm not really sure. But I am an integrated ship's comm unit. Why would I need to leave the ship? To see the sights. That's why that's why I left home. Just to see what's out there. Interesting. Perhaps I will contemplate this on my next cycle. Maybe we'll uh, see everything that's out there together. Unlikely, but as I have learned to say, I appreciate the sentiment. That is the correct saying. Yes. Yeah, that's good enough. Good. And uh and so I think um, that that sort of concludes those scenes, unless, uh, Gnome, you want to do anything else with Vesper. No, I think I'm good. Okay. Should we describe our characters, too? Oh my god, I'm so sorry. Right, yes. <laughs> Please. Please describe your characters. <laughs> for the audience. For the love of god. So Carolina is um, a little shorter, uh, just over five feet kind of stocky um basically looks like she's used to 
doing all sorts of hard work. Um, sort of dirty, dirty blondish hair that she's uh, cut short, but in a kind of messy way. Tan skin. Basically, uh, she's she's pretty, but not necessarily very interesting looking. Especially compared to like all these people out in space who have like implants and cybernetics and stuff like that. And she just kind of looks like a regular person. You know, everyone's got to have that token regular person on the crew. Yeah. <laughs> All right, what about Vesper? Um, so Vesper is mid-late 20s. Um, he's about like 5'10", so tall, but not ridiculously tall like I am. Um, uh, he has black hair, which um, is, cut re- is cut short. He has, like, he has an, like an undercut and sort of a, a faux faux hawk on top. But he doesn't actually put any work into oh, yeah. it, just kind of how it looks. The best kind. Yeah. Um, and then one other really notable feature about him is he has a data plating, which um, is basically a, a subdermal weave that lets him do comms without really talking and lets him see AR displays just without, without any kind of apparatus. And his looks like a tattoo. And it's two black lines run up his throat over where his Adam, Adam's apple is. Um, around, curling over his ears, and then stopping right at the edge of his eyes. Awesome. But yeah, so with that, we will actually end these scenes now. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yeah, so it's about a month later, and you have been floating in space, essentially, uh, this whole time, uh, getting to know each other as a crew. And uh, during this month, you've seen a fair bit of Bruno, because Bruno really doesn't have much to do um a lot of this is autopilot it's more just that um an nhp uh integrated unit onto a starship can't really be unsupervised so uh so really he's kind of uh, like you know like i said before an nhp sitter uh but also uh, assists in the docking process and uh, other things as well so you know you still need a licensed pilot uh that's what bruno is but you see him around a lot because he'll just turn on autopilot and go hang out with y'all because he finds it a lot more interesting than just sitting up in the cockpit all day but you really have barely seen any of zang zang is pretty much always in her quarters uh which are separate from yours most of you either share bunks or uh you know like basically you pretty much all do it's kind of like like old-fashioned ships where they used to just have all the hammocks uh for the crew in one bit you know it's kind of like that but bunk beds but zang has her own quarters as company liaison uh and she's always in there. Uh, when you have seen her, she usually has that, uh, that holograph, hologram up with uh, charts, all kinds of documents that she's pouring through, kind of muttering to herself, um, you know, just doing, doing the legal paperwork of y'all being out here in space doing your job. Um, you all, a month later hear Bruno's voice over the intercom again uh, and he's saying attention, attention to all answers, please report in the meeting room, thank you 
And uh, you hear that repeat a few times uh, if you roll out of bed and look at your, however you keep time on your person, you'd see it's uh, 0500 hours in, uh, in relative time, and uh, so it's, it's quite early, but um, you also notice that you are nearing planet, and uh, that means that it's almost time to rock and roll. So what do y'all do? Uh, who's bu- who bugs with who? Or are we all just together? That's up to you guys. I think we mentioned that um, Telesin and Vesper share a bunk because they're friends. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, that's solid. Yeah. I like how we say share a bunk. That makes it sound a lot more oh, yeah. scandalous. Yeah. Share a room. Share a room. <laughs> <laughs> eh, whatever. <laughs> no, they, they sleep in the same bunk. They cuddle up. They spoon at night. It's very cute. Qué bonito. <laughs> it's okay. That's not canon. Yeah. <laughs> not everything I say is canon. But Vesper, um, it's all canon. Exactly. Well, that's true. There is a universe in which Vesper <laughs> and Telesin are uh, cuddling up just wonderfully. <laughs> Something Put, for cuddling, pl- cu- platonic cuddling, platonic cuddling. Yes. Plat- yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, I mean, I thought that was implied because that's, you know, platonic cuddling is arguably some of the best cuddling. So, uh, so you guys are are uh, you all are bunked up together. So when you hear when you hear uh, Bruno over the intercom, uh, how do you wake up? Like, are you guys heavy sleepers, light sleepers? Uh, Vesper wakes up like a terror. <laughs> He literally rolls out of bed, gets up. He says, "You know, part of the reason I left the military is because I fucking hate waking up early." Uh, tell Tellson would be like ready to go almost immediately. Just like, how can you even tell what's early out here? <laughs> Get used to it. Uh, what is what? What the hell does the wicked witch want? Well, hopefully, we finally get to do something. Come on, we you haven't been having fun on this month-long trip through the void of space. Yeah, that's 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 my favorite idea of a good time. Just hanging around with the same six people for a month. Be more like Carolina. She seems to be enjoying. She seemed to be enjoying herself. Listen, Carolina's you know a sweetheart. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, ain't that truth? She's gonna like you know give you a like a punch to the arm. Um, it's probably like a little bit more than uh, than someone else might do, but it's what she does. All right, asshole, come on. <laughs> He's rubbing, he rubs his arm as he follows her out. All right, what about um, Carolina, Rigoberto, and Pazzo? Uh, do you guys... I assume one of you bunks uh, with Bruno. So that's an option as well. I think Carolina probably shares a room with Pazzo because that is the most hilarious. Yes, yeah, this is true. <laughs> I think like that. But Carolina is obnoxiously a morning person because of course she is. So, like, as soon as that alarm goes off and that voice comes over the the intercom, she is up, she is ready to go, and she's talking about it, whether whether Pazzo wants her to or not. Well, it's 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 funny you say that because uh, Pazzo is obnoxiously like a night owl. Uh, so it, it, you know that meme of the the two people in cars they're looking at each other and it's like <laughs> one person is going to sleep and one person is awake. That is exactly yeah. what this is. We one hundred percent mismatched these people in terms of who they should be in the room with. 
but yeah, and then I guess it leaves Rigoberto uh, rooming with Bruno. So I apologize, but Bruno snores like a freight train. Um, <laughs> it's horrific. Um, so I don't really know how well you slept, uh, but he just had a wonderful night's sleep and got up <laughs> bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, um, got up to go uh, grab the intercom and wake everybody else up. Uh, but how did you sleep? Uh, I would say Rigoberto, he sleeps like on the dime. Once he got used to the snoring, he learned to tune it out. But as soon as he yeah. heard the intercom and something different, he immediately like rolls out of bed and looks around. One with like just immediate like what's going on, and then secondly, he grabs his forehead because he still has a hangover. Like I okay, fucking whatever. He gathers his stuff, um, which is mostly the thing he he always has his little galaxy with him. But like by the time he's like walking over, he has like the equivalent of sunglasses on, so he so he can like mute out the light and meets everyone in the the whatever the anger. legendary. <laughs> yeah, so there's like a boardroom type of thing. It's uh, not far from the mess, but um, it's really only used for meetings like this. And you all kind of either are, uh, you know, it's disturbing how many of you said that you're morning people or can wake up quickly. I just want to put that out there. So there's a few of you that come in and look like you're just, you know, ready, ready and ready to go. And then some folks roll up like Rigoberto <laughs> trying to play off last night's liquid activities. But yeah, you know, you have, you have Rigoberto to come in with shades on and I think Bruno sees you and, uh, you know, it gives you a little nudge in the ribs and like, Hey, you okay there, Berto? He just holds up his hand, just like, no, no, no more talking. Oh, for <laughs> he, he snorts and... Right when he says no more talking, Ian walks Vesper. No, 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 no. No, it's too early. <laughs> um, and I think at that moment, that's when Zhang comes in. And for the first time in a while, she actually looks up from the uh, various forms and things that she's been looking at for the last month. And she actually looks at all of you and uh, says... Are we all here? Uh, I mean, is, is that a rhetorical question? You're the accountant, Zhang. She spoke to us. This is a momentous occasion. Uh, she shoots you a look. Uh, a glare, in fact. And uh, she says, Castellan, um, if you wouldn't mind, please. And uh, Castellan says, Accessing planetary files. And in front of you uh, is, like, a table, basically, is in the center of this room. Or it looks like a table, but really it's a hologram unit. You know, I keep saying, like, I'm making uh, holograph and hologram interchangeable, and I feel like that's not what, what they are. So uh, there is a hologram station in the center of this room, and up pops a uh, sort of, like, bright blue futuristic hologram of, like, planetary schematics and so it shows you the planet there's also data streaming down that uh tells you everything from the atmospheric makeup the uh population the uh you know weather that day just like pretty much everything you would need to know about this planet and uh and zang then says um 
So today we'll go over our mission briefing again. Uh, since some of you have taken this time more as a vacation, um, and she looks at uh, Telesin and Rigoberto in particular, <laughs> <laughs> says, I think that perhaps some of you may need some reminding. We've been sent here by Mirror Smoke to investigate a distress call that we logged about three weeks ago relative time um and she pulls up uh or she she has um a cast pull up an audio file um and that audio file um you basically hear mostly static when it's played but you also hear <laughs> mayday mayday anyone out there please and then you hear more static and uh and noise and she plays it a couple of times and uh on a loop and then she looks at all of you and she says um we are not expecting to find any survivors at this rate on asura 9 but we if we do see any we will be assisting them however our primary directive is to recover company co property and she uh, sort of raises an eyebrow as, are there any questions? Uh, yeah. Vulture duty. Got it. Well, specifically, what are we recovering? Um, she points to something at the planet um, and it sort of uh, enhances the image. And you see the rough outline of a research facility and, uh, says this research facility was formed back in the second committee's rule, but uh, she shrugs when you, ugh, and <laughs> says, we've now commandeered it through union for our own purposes. Our client wishes that we recover some of the technology that they were experimenting with at this facility. What were they researching? She pauses and she says that's classified okay like how how classified well aren't we just gonna find out when we go down there and recover everything i mean yeah i, I was planning on uh, accessing the, the lab systems pretty much as soon as we're on site so really <laughs> you, you could just save us all a little bit of time to uh just give us a better idea of what we're walking into make sure we don't break anything yeah, I mean, it's going to be really sad if you don't tell us what we're looking for and we end up blowing a hole in it with large caliber rounds. Says, well, you're there to pick up data drives. I, do, I don't actually have access to any more information than that. I can, however, tell you uh, what, what top brass at MSMC suspects. Oh, um, we suspect that our client may be a representative of union and perhaps they are recovering um, technology for Galsum. Hmm. Well, you had my attention, but now you have my interest as well. Yes. It's highly possible that we are looking at an illegal NHP research facility. 
um, of the Second Committee era. But we can't be sure, and we aren't allowed to ask questions beyond that. And she kind of gives that with a note of finality and a look at you like, that's enough for now. <laughs> well, that explains, that explains why Miss Happy's here. Gestures at Pazzo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, sure. You do one ethically fraught experiment, and then suddenly you're CENTCOM. I get it. No, I mean because it's an, it's an NHP place. You probably have to do with cascading NHPs. You're the best one for that. Oh. Not everything I say to you is meant to be snarky and insulting, you know. I mean, like 90, 95%. It's, yeah. it's rare that it's not. You'll hear a lot of that from me, though. Well, regardless of what you find down there, your task is to retrieve the data drives at these locations. And she pings you guys to your various communicators, uh, implants or whatever. The location of these drives, it looks to be in a uh, central comm building um, on on this facility campus. Says this should give us information of what happened here and the... Uh, and, and also will contain the property that our client wishes recovered. Now, I can't stress to you enough that this must be recovered in one piece. Uh, no harm must come to this property. Am I understood? She looks specifically at Vesper. Loud and clear. So I know you said we weren't supposed to ask questions or anything, but what's the... What's the planet like? Are the environment, any hazards we should be looking out for? I'm glad you asked. Castellan, um, and Castellan, uh, it goes, Yes, Zhang, how may I be of service? Castellan, uh, give us the planetary rundown, all right? Yes, of course. The atmosphere is somewhat breathable but not ideal. Staying within your mech chassis would be advised. There is also strange gravitational activity on the planet's surface. Magnetic boots advised. Um, Should we expect any geological uh, events, anything like that? No. Everything else seems to be stable and within acceptable parameters for landfall. There you have it. It sounds fairly simple to me. Yeah, at least according to this, Mm -hmm. uh, it is, yeah, it's low gravity. Uh, so, So just out of character for a second. So you're looking at low gravity. You can survive for a little bit of time outside of your mech, but it's not recommended for very long. The atmosphere is not great for you. Um, but anyway, that's just the, the GM screen yeah. uh, coming up for a second. Continue. Say we find some other stuff that's not the data whatever. That's free game? Yes? Sing looks at you and raises an eyebrow again and says, Rigoberto, are you suggesting that you be allowed to loot a union facility? I'm not suggesting I'm to be allowed. I'm just asking. You know, if it's there and no one's around. You know. Carolina starts laughing. 
like a lot. She she thinks she thinks he's hilarious. She she detects no ill intentions. Vesper's <laughs> <laughs> thinking like Vesper's thinking like don't corrupt my child. <laughs> hey, I'm just asking. It's it's important. It's all company property, but we are recovering these data drives. If you're caught with contraband, well, I'm in charge of the legal team for this mission, so take that as you will. And so bring you back you- a souvenir, gotcha. Gotcha, we'll she- recover some more stuff. I got you, dang, I got you. She just looks like a little piece of her soul died. <laughs> and... Um, but but her face is completely still totally stony face, no emotion really. Pazo gives her says, a, uh, a sympathetic look, as though she is not a hundred percent going to make copies of all the data, and you know, <laughs> just take it. Says, please, please don't make me do any more paperwork than I have to. Now, if that's all. I would suggest that you head to the hangar and start preparing your mechs. We'll be landing in 0800 hours. Hi, it's Valanda here. If you like what you heard, the best way to let us know is on Twitter at TTRPGRoulette or by leaving us a review on your podcatcher of choice. If you do leave us a review, let us know so we can give you a shout out in a future episode. You can also support us financially on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash TTRPG roulette. There you can get access to bonus content such as character creation episodes, blooper reels, an art gallery, and so much more. Our music was created by Neil Martin, and you can find him on Twitter at Bardic Martin. Our logo was created by Lee, who you can find on Twitter at the Laura of Names, or on his masks AP, Otherware. We want to give a very special shout out to our patrons, including Landon Cornell, MC of Shadow St. Fleur, Reed, Tricky, Dusty, Silva, Vanessa Haas, Zeke, and Daniel. And until next week, folks, stay lucky. Have you ever wanted to experience your favorite old school RPGs and Japanese RPGs in a podcast? Check out Into the Verse with Kylie Kane, where I, Kylie Kane, narrate your favorite games in a full audio only Let's Play experience. Episodes release every Wednesday and Saturday morning at anchor.fm slash Kylie Kane. You can find me as well on most podcasting services, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts.